Well, it's great to be back in this pulpit. See, I said to a few of you this morning because of us being away and being in other places like Parkside and Henley Beach before and after we left for Europe, which was five weeks out of the church as well. Haven't seen some of you for months and it is really, really splendid to be here with you today. Is that a word we use these days, splendid? Or am I sure I'm old, old hat? Yeah, splendid. It's a good, safe word. Yep, I'm not going to get into trouble with that one. That's good. Well, if you remember nothing else from this message this morning, I want you to highlight uh, Proverbs 27:17, which is uh, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. What does that actually mean and what's that got to do with community? And uh, so unpacking, unpacking the next instalment of what it means to be in a Christian community, what it means to be in the community, because we do need each other. God is, uh, in his wisdom and in his reality as the Trinity, is actually just a self-sufficient unit in the sense of Father, Son, Holy Spirit always has been in a community that is love. And so we're created in that image and we are actually therefore pre-programmed to live together in community. Um, the tricky bit is making that work. Anyone found that? We've all got differences of opinion about all sorts of things. Um, but what I love about the, um, that scripture is it's iron that sharpens iron. It's not some other substance. And so the reality is that um, you sharpen me and I sharpen you. But it's not like, I was just thinking I should have brought it with me. We've got a uh, knife sharpening gizmo in our kitchen drawer. And... Uh, it's got a plastic handle, but the bit that actually sharpens the knife is made of steel, as is the knife. And the knife that needs to be sharpened doesn't get sharpened by being put in the same drawer together. They actually have to be, um, by force, there's a horrible like fingernails on a chalkboard, as I thought I'd probably glad I left at home because it would probably annoy the heck out of you. But it's, there's this necessity for effort to be put in for iron to sharpen iron is an amazing thing and so just proximity with other people being placed in the same tray in the drawer being placed in the same church sitting alongside whoever you're next to this morning is all very well but I think God wants us to step up to the plate and realize that iron sharpens iron when there's effort put in to the relationship when there's actually time invested, and sometimes, to be perfectly honest, the knife is sharpened by friction. There's a lot of, in fact, the knife is reduced in size by the exercise. A little bit of the steel gets shaved off in order to make it sharp, to actually allow it to fulfill its purpose. Your purpose can be fulfilled when you're sharp, when you're actually being honed, not by oh, I'm going up to meditate on the top of me. I'm going to join a monastery and just going to seek God all by myself. I don't think that's at all what God's calling us to do. Some people have done it over the centuries, and I'm not having a crack at somebody who's a monastic person. If that's you, um, God bless you. But I believe if you're going to be the best person that you are meant to be, you're going to become the best person when you let somebody else rub you up the wrong way. I mean, as I say that again, when you let, some, let somebody, ask them to, would you rub me up the wrong way? When was the last time you had that conversation? 
I don't even like it when Julie rubs me up the wrong way. And I love her lots. Not to say I don't love you guys, but you know what I mean. She's my wife, just in case you didn't know that. Um, but I want to just back up a little bit and, and just get you to think a little bit for a moment about um, where you've come from to be here this morning. I don't mean, oh, I got in the car after breakfast and drove to church. I mean the last, depending how old you are, the entire journey of your life. We are all born into families. What was your family like? Did your family teach you about love or not love? About reward, no reward? What did you get taught and what have you realised you didn't get taught? All those things together have an impact on the way we respond to a message like this about discipleship and mentoring because they are the mechanism of iron sharpening iron. And if we got chastised unnecessarily or put down or in some way we ended up with a bent out of shape attitude towards the friction that's good for us and we confuse that with the friction that's bad for us with people, then we're going to be at a disadvantage. And so I put it to you this morning that part of the discipleship mentoring uh, dimension of community, it's essential. It's actually the sharpening part of it. It's not just the incident. Let's just all be friends. Can't we just all be friends? Well, we can just be all friends, but we'd never actually, in my view, we'd never become what God really wants us to become. We've got to be sharp. We've got to be, we've got to be a little savvy in 2023 to communicate the love, love of God to people. We live in a cynical world. We live in a very secular world. We live in a world where people pride themselves on being progressive, um, even though many of their thoughts, in my view, are regressive, uh, progressivism is usually self-proclaimed. I'm a progressive person. It's like, well, who said that? Well, I did. Um, well, let me just give you a suggestion. Let's have a little bit of a sharpening. Let's just see what's inside that, what's inside your progressive thinking. And oftentimes it's um, full short of the mark. That's why we've got each other. That's why we put up with each other. Well, maybe we're a little bit grace there. We actually love each other, don't we? We're working on that. Um, if we're just putting up with each other, I think we've already lost the battle. It's like, it, it's like being put in the drawer alongside the knife sharpener. Let's not do that. Let's ask Jesus to put his hand on us and sharpen us. So occasionally we need a conversation that's uncomfortable. Sometimes we need a conversation that's challenging because it'll stretch us a little bit. Um, so I want to say this. We would not amount to too much by ourselves. Like my life, when I think about it, my life has meaning because of the people I know and the people I love and the people I've journeyed with, the people I've actually struggled with, the people who've made me realise I don't like that, but I do like this. I don't feel comfortable in this environment, but I feel really at home in this environment. That's, that's all part of a mixture of experience of life. And then there's that confounded flipping, annoying, hard-to-get-over issue of my own personality. No matter what's happened to you with regards to experience and amount of intelligence you have or haven't got, we've all got a personality. And I've noticed, like, Lockie's personality is, oh, man, that's complicated, right? <laughs> Just joking. Uh, and as for Gary, oh, my gosh. Yep. I don't know how you do it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know I'm only being a little bit cheeky and naughty. 
but I hope you get my point, everyone in this room has got to navigate the perils of community through the lens of experience and then overlay that with the complexity of our own personality. The way we process information. Some of us love lists and order and stuff like that. Um, where did we go recently? Someone had gone berserk in their shed and like literally gone... Oh yeah, Man Pastor Manfred. Should be watching this Manfred. Pastor Manfred, the pastor of C3 Church Hanau, he uh, took us into the storeroom and just a heads up, we've got a storeroom in the back of our building. Did that get tidied up yesterday? Okay, it looks great. Well, I'd want to say, even without seeing it, it won't be a patch on Manfred. He is a German. <laughs> and he's got a very German worldview, which is, and this is a very positive compliment, Manfred, if you ever see this online. Everything's catalogued. He's got a catalogue of what's what. Every nut, bolt, screw, piece of paper, department in the church, everything's got a place. And it's like, wow, this, that's impressive. I go, I've got work to do in my shed at home. <laughs> I've got work to do on my desk upstairs. Yeah. People walk into my office and look at me, they go, how do you, do you know? I said, just do not touch anything. <laughs> my point is, we're all different. But we've got to get along. And we've got to understand those differences aren't wrong. In fact, it's not our business to change that person's personality. It's our business to enhance them, add flavour to them, to sharpen it, show them how they can use it. And you don't have to be the same personality type to do that. And that's the whole point of discipleship and mentoring. It's not about fashioning somebody in your image. It's about fashioning somebody in the image of God, the image they're meant to be, the best person. And by his grace, he's given us that gift. We've got a responsibility on the one hand, but a privilege on the other of being the ones together who cause and help every person in this room become the best person they possibly can. That's God's agenda for your life. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to have a clear head. He wants us to do things well. He wants us to actually get over our differences of opinion. He wants us to recover from disappointments and brokenness um, with the help of other people. It's not good enough to think, I've got to do this by myself. You can do some things by yourself, like I still wipe my behind by myself. <laughs> Just being a little crass, but you know, I actually at 65 start worrying about the day when someone else is going to do it. It's not a good, it's not a good thought. And Julie, Julie's already said she's not up for the job, so just giving you a heads up. But apart from those personal ablutive issues, which, you know, that's private property, that's still good. Most other things we do are actually probably better together. Better holding hands. Better off saying, yes, I can help. Or actually, I can't help but I'd like to, but I'll find somebody else that can help. Or whatever the issue might be. So we get to this dilemma, however. However we are brought up, however we've managed life to this point in time, and where most of us sitting in here this morning at the moment listening to this are adults. We've, we've got an adult experience of life. Good, bad and ugly. Some of us have been brought up in homes where we were taken to church, and I was one of them, uh, all my life, and became a Christ follower by choice at the age of 17. 
Others of us in this room have maybe experienced Jesus a lot later in life than that or a similar journey to mine or something that's in between. It's like it doesn't matter where that all happened. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I've not really thought of it like I am presenting it this morning before, I don't think. But if, uh, if anyone is in Christ, starting at verse 17, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And I'm thinking about babies when I, as I'm reading that. And the fact that a newborn baby doesn't come fully programmed to do calculus maths. It's got the capacity to learn that down the track, but it's not coming out of the womb as an Albert Einstein. It hasn't got quantum theory coming out of its mouth. In fact, most babies that I know, newborns don't speak at all. We, the community, teach them. It never ceases to amaze me getting off a, a plane in a foreign country and seeing little kids running around in the airport speaking in Germany, German. It's kind of like you encounter kids in the street here, they speak in English because we're in Australia. And the little kids that have been brought up in Lithuania speak Lithuanian. The little kids that have been born into Russia and some of the other countries connected to Russia speak Russian. Um, it's just, a, and we, we can't communicate, but they, they've learned. Someone's taught them how to speak. And my point in saying that to you is, as Christians, and especially as adult converted Christians, we would like to think, because we've seen church, we've experienced Christians, we've got some history, I guess you could say, we would like to think that we're, we're starting from, well, I'm, I'm a 21-year-old Christian. The day I get saved, I've got bad news for you, a newborn baby in Christ. And just like a baby needs to be taught lots of things, manners, how to get on with their siblings so they got them, or how to get on with kids at the um, childcare centre who's just punched their lights out. It's kind of like in church life it can be rough, but hang in there. It's not meant to be rough, but it can be. Um, we're meant to be the community, like a family that gets around the newborn Christ follower and says, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is how you speak. This is how we treat each other. We're actually the people who love each other. We actually forgive. And when we don't forgive, we work on making sure that we can forgive. And somebody else is going to tap that person on the shoulder and say, hey, it's time to get over that. We don't do that here. So if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God. So the new child of God is like a newborn to be nurtured and cared for. With intentional, just remember, knife out the drawer, knife sharpener. <coughs> Nothing more frustrating than a blunt knife trying to cut a tomato. I had one yesterday. The tomato was a little bit past it, and the knife was definitely past it. And guess what happened? And just, yeah. So I put that knife aside, didn't bother to get the sharpener out. Got the other one out that I'd sharpened a few days earlier, which I knew it was sharp, and boy, did that tomato didn't stand a chance <laughs> you've got issues that don't stand a chance when you're sharp you know all the effort you put in with a blunt knife it's frustrating because whatever it is you're trying to cut doesn't cut properly but you sharpen your knife and whammo there you go so I want to ask you this question again how sharp are you has our church community sharpened you this year 
Have you had conversations with anybody in this church or in your, maybe your immediate family or a circle of friends that you trust that are not necessarily in our church that have actually intentionally, you've said, rub me up the wrong way. See what's in me. Push a few of my buttons. I don't really think I think like that myself too often, but I'm challenged by this message myself to go, I need every now and then to have some buttons pushed. Because I think God wants to see, me to see what's really in here. And you know, I let a little bit of uh, unsavory stuff start to, it's kind of like barnacles on the bottom of a boat. I, I get some barnacles growing and a boat with barnacles on it doesn't sail smoothly through the water. You may not be smoothly sailing through your water this morning because you've got barnacles on you. Well, we're here to help scrape the barnacles off. That's what the community's for. Why do we have connect groups? A barnacle descaling crew. <laughs> Not only that, we have fun together as well. We love doing life together. But somewhere in the mix of that, besides the fun and the fellowship and the friendship, the kingdom of God is built on iron sharpening iron. Men and women who are happy to let people that are loving and have got their best interest in heart, just start scraping a few barnacles off the side of their hull so they can sail through life. And so there's two topics today on that screen that are uh, different, and they're both part and parcel of what I'd like to think we include with what we do here at church. Discipleship and mentoring. So just as a definition kind of difference to help you think this is what I think is involved. Discipleship involves a teacher and a student relationship. In other words, it can be teaching somebody who doesn't know something, this is knowledge or skill that you can learn. And so it's taught because the teacher teaches the stuff. That's a discipleship. Jesus had disciples. Jesus was referred to as the teacher and the, the context of his era was the rabbis had good solid knowledge of the scripture the old testament we'd call it the hebrew scripture and his students would sit at his feet and he would teach them discipleship's a little bit like that so discipleship's a teacher a formal kind of context in that we need that we need people to teach us how to understand what the scripture's saying about this when you read that what is that actually telling us and getting a sense of, as Jason was unpacking with the tithes and offerings, it's kind of like, uh, it's implied, so like learning that the issue with Cain and his gift was more about attitude than about what he brought to the Lord, for example. That's, that's kind of not obvious, just casual reading. And so together we can learn. That's discipleship. And I want to say to you, we can all be discipled at any age. I've just, uh, some of you know this, I just completed a graduate certificate um, qualification at Flinders University and I was a student at 65 and I learned stuff that I didn't know. There was a teacher and I was a student and I finished, praise God. Yes, that's worthy, worthy of a praise. I'm pretty happy about that, got some time back. I've done some great reading over that period of time. Don't be afraid, no matter how old you are this morning to launch out into the great unknown of what you don't know and ask someone to teach you. Something new. Discipleship. If you don't know something about Jesus, ask somebody here, what do you think about that? 
What, what's this? I've been reading that in the Bible. They're great conversations to have in church life. Mentoring is not the same as that. Mentoring is a relational uh, issue. Not that you can't be in relationship with your teacher and student. It's like that's relational in a sense, but it's relational very differently to mentoring. So mentoring, in my view, is involving a guide, the mentor, and the guided, the, the strange word, the mentee. It sounds like a minty, but the mentee. Um, it's a relationship. And experience, knowledge, and skills uh, in the mentor are applied to give advice to the mentee. Say advice. So it's not, I know that 10 plus 10 equals 20. So you're learning mathematics. 10 plus 10 equals 20. Do you understand that? Yes, you've learnt that, teacher, student. Advice is completely different. Now, um, Dossie, can you put that first photo up, please? This is a picture of the Tower of London. Um, very, very impressive structure in the middle of London. And that's taken from a particular perspective. Say perspective. <laughs> see, mentors can see things from a different perspective. And so if I was planning to do something, go somewhere, let's just say I'm planning to start a business or I'm planning to go on an adventure or I'm planning to go on a picnic today or maybe it's something really serious. Maybe I'm planning to do a study program or a career change, or to have another member of the family. I don't even, you, just, you pick the issue. A mentor's job is not to tell you to not do that or don't do that or do do that. The mentor's job is to help you, guide you, give you advice of what you might encounter. So they would offer, let's just change our perspective here a little. So let me show you the next slide. Same bridge, different perspective. What if that, whatever that building is behind there, they did tell us, but I've forgotten what it is, you might know. What if that building behind there represents a massive obstacle to your journey forward? And the mentor has literally taken you by the hand and said, come over here to a different perspective, and you go, I didn't see that before. Go back to the other one, Dossie. That same obstacle is still there, it's just obscured by my perspective. I know my perspective of all sorts of issues in my life has obscured things that God wants me to see. A mentor is not teaching me knowledge. A mentor says, Bruce, come with me for a minute. Change the picture, Dossie. Aha! I've looked at it from a negative point of view, but what if it's a positive? What if there's a resource there that the previous picture I can't see? How am I going to do that? We can't afford that. We haven't, like, come with me and, oh, there's a new opportunity. There's something I didn't see coming because a mentor has helped me. So as we journey through life, we can become a little stuck. Maybe you're stuck this morning looking at an obstacle and you can't really see the way forward. Have you got a mentor? 
someone you could say, well, this is what I'm looking at. What do you think? And it's really important when you listen to someone ask that question, you are not trying to solve their problem. Men, you are not trying to solve their problem. They're just asking you what you see. So tell them what you see. Don't solve the problem. That's not the mentor's job. Hear me. Just say, yes, Pastor, I hear you. Oh, some of you do. (laughs) Mentoring really is important in the mix to help us get unstuck. If you're stuck this morning, why don't you reach out to somebody if you haven't already. Maybe you're already on a journey with someone you trust that's just able to give you feedback. Well, let's just move over here for a bit because I'm not sure that's such a good idea. Or that's a really great idea. Why don't you also do this? Have you thought of that? It's just adding in a different perspective. So just want to finish very quickly with a practical thought. This is the concept. How do you do this? How do you mentor somebody? Well, it's funny you should ask. I've got five questions you could add into the mix to finish up this morning. In this church particularly, you could ask a question, how are you and God doing? If you had to rate your relationship with Jesus this morning, zero being kind of, well, it's on the back burner at the moment, three to ten, it's like, we're we're like this. Um, What would it be? And again, it's not a wrong or right answer, and it's not a judgment on the part of the mentor, so that's not true. It's like, okay, wow, that's pretty cool, or we got work to do. How are you and God? Question number two. How is your relationship with you fill in the gap? Maybe you've shared with me. If I'm mentoring you, you've said, oh, I'm having trouble with Joe Bloggs and my next-door neighbour over the back fence drives me nuts. Or it's like, well, how's that relationship going? So a mentor is wanting you and inviting you to talk about what's going on in here and in here. Number three, emotional health. This is a good question to ask somebody that you care about. How are you going with your workload? How are you going with other people, generally speaking? Do other people really tick you off? You know, like, just want to retreat home and shut the door and say, go away, world? How are you going with conflict or conflict resolution, staff, relationships? What's your level of emotional um, exhaustion like? How exhausted are you? Your mentor can have conversations with you that can help you. This is the body of Christ being the body of Christ. This is caring for one another. Anyone say amen to that? General lifestyle health. Lockie, are you sleeping well? Don't have to answer the question. Um, Murray, are you eating well? I'm eating a lot. Okay. Gary, are you getting time off from work? Yeah, good. When was the last time you had a day doing very much like nothing? Some people call it a day off. When was the last time you gave yourself permission to just sit down and do nothing? Mmm. Oh, men talking ask those questions, right? If I taught you, if I asked you, like, what have you built into your life that's margin? Are you running at the envelope of your life? Like, you're at ceiling level, 
24-7. You go to bed thinking about tomorrow. You wake up in the morning thinking about tomorrow. You're just going for it. It's like I've got plans. I've got things. I've got money to think about. I've got kids. I've got career. I've got all these things. If you're running up there full-time, flat-out, non-stop, there's only one place you're going to end up in, either in the ground, dead, or in hospital, or some derivative of burnout, breakdown. You've got to build margin into your life. A mentor can really push that point. So you're not actually having enough downtime. Well, none of your business. Well, no, it's not my business. But I'm just kind of speaking out of my own experience, you need to build margin. What do you do for yourself weekly that recharges your batteries? What do you do monthly that actually builds a bit of life into your soul? What do you listen to? Do you listen to anything that gives you life, like songs, music? Strange as I am, I love listening to jazz. It revives my soul. Some people hate it, but I just go, ooh, that's awesome. Um, anyway, you get my point. Fifth one, this is the, probably a really, this would require you to be in a pretty good relationship. I'm not saying that you wouldn't be with the other questions. But this, this question, the last one, is um, pretty important. It's about vulnerabilities. What vulnerability at present in you could the evil one exploit to take you out of your marriage or out of church or out of your, out of your career what, what could tempt you it's always a good thing to have a conversation about the possibility of that honestly with a mentor who loves you I've been thinking these thoughts about moving on Okay, let's talk about that. What's going on? That's a way better conversation than I've been thinking about this for three or four months and today's my last day. Bye. And walking out the door. Mentors help us to do this really well. So why don't we stand on our feet? So I want to just finish by challenging you this morning to ponder, and I say this with a great sense of conviction, pray about this until you get a sense of God nudging you. Who is it? Is there somebody in this church community that you would let mentor you? Or is there somebody, it doesn't have to just be at this church community, I want to make that clear. You might have a network of people outside of this circle that are, in every sense of the word builds character and sharpens you. But it's not going to happen by mistake. Be intentional. Find somebody. Find somebody that will mentor you. If you're a new Christ follower, find somebody and let somebody disciple you. Don't assume you know this stuff because you probably don't. And if they don't know, they can ask somebody else. It's how we help each other. So be prepared to be discipled. Be prepared to be mentored. Let's be prepared to be the best community we could possibly be together. Let me pray to close. Father, we just thank you this morning that you've modelled with us in the Scriptures through Jesus Christ, your Son, lots of things, including discipleship, but including mentorship. Jesus didn't just teach the disciples stuff. He journeyed with them. They went with him. They watched how he lived. They watched what he did. And he debriefed with them after the fact. 
all those things are dimensions. I haven't covered some of those this morning. Lord, I pray that together we would just dig a little deeper. We dig a little deeper into our well-being at soul level. We dig a little bit deeper at our well-being and our emotions. And together we'd be confident that we are going to be resilient, hope-filled people in a very broken, dark and mixed-up world. Lord, that people would know this community of faith, C3 Church, Adelaide Hills, in our three locations, people in that outfit, there's something about them. And we know it's because we've decided to be community together, to be vulnerable together, and to be caring and loving together, to build fantastic network of relationships that is unbreakable. So let your love bind us together afresh this morning. Lord, as the senior pastor, I just stand before you this morning, Lord, and I confess all our sins. Lord, the Bible talks about having no understanding the gap. Lord, I stand before you this morning on behalf of the whole church. And Lord, we bring all of our garbage, all of our sin, all of our shortcomings, all the things we've said and done in the last weeks that are a blemish on us as a person. And we confess to you, Lord present it to you and ask for the incredibly precious blood of Jesus to wash through every one of us. Oh man, I can feel the power of God on that. The incredible, merciful love of Jesus washing through every soul right now. There is nothing you have done or thought or been involved with that the blood of Jesus can't wash out of you. So, God, we pray and declare freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you've never experienced Jesus personally in your life, what we just did then, what we just prayed then, I want you maybe felt something. That's Jesus by His Spirit interacting with you. If you've never invited Him to actually lead you, let Him be your teacher and mentor Himself. Say, Jesus, would you walk with me? That's the moment of becoming a Christ follower. You follow his voice. You read the Bible because you want to after this encounter with him. Come to church because you want to after an encounter with him. You pray because you want to. If you've never had that sort of flip over the page in your life, this morning you can invite Jesus to become your Lord and Saviour with a very easy to repeat prayer as the first step. It's like the moment that a, a, a baby is born. It's just a moment in time. One moment it's on the inside and the next moment and a whole lot of, you know, what goes on there, it's on the outside. Born. You become a born again Christian, a Christ follower. If that's you, either listening online or standing in the toilet, why don't you give me a laugh? That you got me, Pastor Bruce. That's me. I want to get serious with God this morning. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mighty, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Just a few more seconds. Just let the Holy Spirit nudge on the hearts of every person. He's a loving, gracious Father. So, Lord, we just... Thank you. We're going to worship finally with a final song together right now. Amen.